And uh, yeah, it's good to see all of you again. And uh, just as I'm getting started, I'm just going to, we continue the series from two weeks ago. Oh, I got hit up myself. <laughs> we're in Colossians, and so today we're going to talk about uh, chapter 2, 1 to 5. But I will actually play this uh, slide here. There's a little uh, video of uh, Laodicea, <clears throat> because uh, Colossians, there's nothing left. There's maybe one rock left. Um, so this is from what's left of Laodicea, and so today we're going to, uh, Paul is going to talk about the people at Laodicea. Uh, Laodicea is 11 miles, 15 kilometers, or something like that, from uh, Colossians. So those those areas are quite close together, um, and so you just we can just see that uh, together. That is uh, a little small, so I'll read it from my Bible. But you can turn to Colossians, and then we'll read today's text together. Um, uh, Chapter 2, 1 through 5, and we're continuing... uh, I mean, yeah, we're continuing the the thought uh, and what he was expressing to the Corinthians... Not to the Corinthians, the Colossians. um, And so we'll pick up uh, here in verse 1. For I want you to know, I want you to know how great a struggle I had for you and for those at Laodicea, and for all those who have not seen my face, me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, be knit together in love, and to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is in Christ. In whom are all the hidden are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that you may that no one may be deluded with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and firmness of your faith in Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. And so if you remember if you remember what happened two weeks ago, all the way two weeks ago, uh, Paul, he comes with these fantastic statements about who Jesus is, but he also keeps bringing warnings to them. And so this is the same, same kind of passage. Um, even if you just look a bit, a bit, he says, in him we proclaim warning everyone, teaching everyone. And then we had the passage... Uh, if you continue. So he continues to bring these warnings up, and which sometimes can be a little bit, well, why is he doing that? Especially when you look at the last verse. But we'll get there. Um, and so as I was, as we were praying, I was just thinking about, um, so this is off script, but I was thinking, why do we have warnings? Why do we have warning signs? Why do we have, you can even see instruction managers on stuff. Why is there a sign at the end of the cliff Watch out, don't go in in here, or don't put this thing in the dishwasher, or don't use this thing, or don't put your cat in the microwave oven. Um, As I was just thinking about those things, uh, the reason why those warnings are there is because somebody's already done it. 
Somebody has walked too close to the edge and fall down. Somebody has put their cat in the microwave. Somebody has put something else. So we, when we're thinking about even in our society why we have warnings, is because people, they have done those things. And so it's just, just as Paul is encouraging these believers and warning them to continue to be faithful, um, just be reminded of that this is not what he wants for them. He wants better for them. And we're going to continue to, to look at that. Because he starts, a to, uh, a, a, he, starts with, he starts with himself and saying, this is, this is how much I live my life for Christ. I, I, I live my life so much that I struggle. And last, last time I toiled. I, as some say even in the last word, it was like I am agonizing over you. That he really gives his all to these people, to these people of the churches. And then we see in the text, even though I've never seen you, you've never seen me face to face. So he's saying that it doesn't matter whether I've seen you face to face. I still give my life for you to serve you in the love of Christ. And then why is he doing that? Well, it's because he wants to encourage their hearts. He wants to explain to them and encourage them. He wants to explain to them that that the, the the wish for them is that they will know that they are knit together in love in the body of Christ and knit together as believers. And so being knit together is the opposite of what some of the churches then and today experience. They experience division. So he's saying, like I I want for you guys that your heart will be encouraged, that you would know that you're being knit together in the love of Christ in the body of Christ that you won't divide over different things. And then he continues the, what we were talking about last time, that you would fully understand the mystery of God. And the mystery of God is, as we talked about last time, the mystery of God is Christ Jesus. And him relieved, not relieved, revealed as Lord, God, and Savior. Not just to the Jews, but also to the Greeks here, to the Gentiles. That all who will believe in him, his life, in his death, in his re- resurrection, his coming back, um, they can be saved. So he, in this part of the letter, Paul is ex- trying to explain to them and to help them underste- understand more about who Jesus is and ground their faith in Jesus. And he, what's the purpose? He wants them to have full assurance that this Jesus, the rock of everything, can hold up their faith. And then he has this, um, where he says, all the mysteries of God is found in Jesus. And also the, um, the knowledge, all knowledge and wisdom is found in Jesus. So under, therefore it's so important to understand who Jesus is. So that's why Paul will continue to explain who Jesus is. This is what I said. So if you look to verse 3, he says, in Christ, in Christ, all wisdom and knowledge holds together. And, and so when we, if we go more than two weeks back, we, we heard that when God creates, he creates through Jesus. So all things is, is made for, by and for Jesus. 
And there also in there, now we have Paul saying that all wisdom and knowledge is bound up in who Jesus is. And I had a little bit of hard time, how am I supposed to explain this? So I found a quote by somebody. I can't remember who is, but Joseph, stop playing with my thing. Yes. So uh, the, um, if we're looking at Jesus as a mine, like a mine where you get, where you get gold or something, still as a mine, still as the mine is unfathomable, there will, through eternity, be always fresh treasures in Him to be drawn from their hidden state. So to try to put that into a, a contemporary vocabulary. Uh, contemporary language. My vocabulary is not running so good today. Um, uh, is that the quote man says, and that's that guy, when we're looking at Jesus, there will always be more to discover. There will always be more wisdom. There will always be more knowledge. And it's like some people would say, well, how can we spend eternity with God without being bored? Well, I think his quote also explains it. There's always going to be new things to explore and to understand about who Jesus is. And so this is what Paul is trying to explain to them, that all wisdom and all knowledge is bound up in Jesus. Lots of other smart people would also say he's countering false teaching. We're going to talk about that in, I think, one of the next verses where he says that it's all holding by who Jesus is and not some hidden hidden, unknowledgeable, tangible, strange wisdom. No, it's in a person whose name is Jesus. So an inexhaustible well of wisdom and of knowledge. And and yeah, he wants them to be aware of that. So, yeah, just exactly what I was saying. So that we're here we have that that people would not be led astray by plausible arguments. Have you ever felt that? I'm pretty sure you might have. You you have been in a conversation with somebody, maybe at work, uh, maybe somewhere else, maybe in the school, even with a teacher or somebody else, and they're saying something that seems to be, it seems to be right. Or they say something on TV or other media, and you're like, well, maybe this is right. And maybe at this moment, at that point, you don't have a counter. You don't have a counter argument. And so, in some sense, you can be led astray by that argument. It seems plausible. So that's what he's warning about. He's warning them about. You know, I know people around you is going to say all sorts of things, and it might actually seem possible. They might be plausible that those things are true, but that's not where you found tr- find your truth. You find truth in Jesus. Because uh, as I like to say, I was totally stolen by somebody else, but I can't who it, I can't quote, I don't know who it is right now, but you can look it up. Like, I don't believe the church should ever suppress truth, because I believe truth, all truth, all real truth is God's truth, because God is true. So we don't have to be afraid of anything because we know that all, all real truth is God's truth. And then it would be found in Jesus. 
because he's the one who holds all wisdom and truth and knowledge. But he does, he does, okay, you have to be aware that people will try to explain the world that they do by their, by the way they view things. And sometimes maybe it seems plausible. Maybe it seems more sophisticated. And today maybe you can also look at social media, philosophy. Maybe something's going to be new discovered that's going to shake everything. Or maybe you have this, there's these secret people who know this secret knowledge. That's kind of been all the way through history that <laughs> somebody has claimed to have this secret knowledge that unlocks everything. Well, it's not... Re- <laughs> well, yeah, enough about it. But uh, And that's uh, even... Even... Yeah. And th- that goes into the next part. Some people... To make sense of the world, they make something that is uh, very popular right now. They make conspiracy theories that there's one thing that would make everything just this is why the world is like this. And maybe some of it is is enticing or luring that maybe that could be something that seems plausible. So I, I think as Paul is warning his people there, where it's it's debatable which kind of kind of uh, what's it called which kind of um, false teaching it is whether it's just philosophy or Gnosticism or different things but at least it's somebody explaining the world differently than what they have come to believe in Jesus Christ so he's being he's saying be aware of those things I think we have to be aware just as much today I mean mo- most of us maybe know that a lot of the things we hear are not true. But I just want to encourage you to, like, I just, yeah, thank you, Tarika, for sharing. Like, lots of people are going to say all sorts of things of what we believe. Um, I'm going to get into it just a little more and just share about that a little bit later. But <clears throat> but if if all of us actually know that... <sighs> that these things are true, that we find truth in Jesus... Um, then why even mention this? Well, as I was preparing, I just found out, like, well, I think sometimes I know this, but my actions are different. So sometimes I would look to my phone to get news or wisdom, not to Jesus. And actually, a lot of times it works the other way. The phone just shows me that the world is broken and I don't get any hope and encouragement. So I, I know, and you know, we should go to Jesus in prayer to hear from him but then why don't we? Or why is that sometimes difficult? I was just thinking, is it because sometimes maybe we want to hear something different? Maybe we want our ears tickled or we want to hear what we want to hear? Or maybe we don't want to deal with things so we don't want to hear anything? <laughs> or maybe like the old commercial, we just want to hear, like, you're worth it. You should do this, even though it's serving ourselves and not anybody else. Because we know what Jesus is going to say. He's going to say, come to me. Trust in me and die to yourself and serve others. Because that's where true life is found. But the the gospel of of today is like, believe in yourself, trust in yourself. It's all about you. You're worth it. 
Is it because we don't really see Jesus immediately with us? He's not with us now in the flesh. Or do we then go to other flesh people and trust their opinions because they feel nearby or because they are nearby? And then when we hear somebody come with a plausible argument, it's like, oh, okay, well, that person's here. But then, then it's a, we, then it's kind of, kind of like we forget, you know. And we, I mean, it's not like we don't know these things. And that, that's like a lot of the things that I do is not telling you things that you don't know. I'm saying the things you do know to remind you. So this is also going to be a reminder for me and for you. They said to the disciples when, when he was going away, they were getting sad that Jesus was leaving. But then Jesus says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, this is the function. We're going to talk about the function. He will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you don't see me any longer. Concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. So when I, or maybe also you, have a tendency to go to other places than Jesus, we need to be reminded about these verses. That as we believed in Jesus, because we're talking about nearness here, is it because we don't, there's no, there's no one with flesh on, so, but the nearness of God is so close because when we believed, the Holy Spirit comes and indwells us. And we just, read, we just read what the purpose of the Holy Spirit was. To help us understand what Jesus taught. Bring to, remind, to bring remembrance all the things that he taught and said. The Holy Spirit helps us to understand the treasures and the wisdom of knowledge that is in Christ. The Holy Spirit is also there to convict the the world of sin, judgment, and righteousness. And we don't get that from anywhere else. It's the source where we get meaning in life and how to live our lives and power to live it as we saw last time where Paul said, I struggle so, I struggle so hard with the energy that he supplies. So what does the wisdom of knowledge of wisdom and knowledge of Jesus do? How does it shape our lives? Will it help us live in more in wisdom and focus on what God has for us? Just if you just look at Paul and the team he has, their understanding of Jesus and their understanding of the knowledge and wisdom in Jesus made them live like they did. For most of us, maybe that's not really an attractive form <laughs> of living. But they did. And Paul said, I struggled so hard for other people's behalf. He did that because he understood who Jesus was. And he wanted people 
to share in that. But what about us? Are we, am I, thankful and satisfied that Jesus holds all wisdom and knowledge? Or do I have a tendency, well, there must be some other knowledge? Or do we look to the occult or mysticism or hidden meanings in text? Or <laughs> Lee gave this example of somebody who wrote a whole book on the theology of somebody's painting. And I laughed out loud, and so did Lee. Well, he's, he was actually angry. But uh, do we find our theology in something weird? Like, oh, there's these six clouds, means this and this, or this person 600 years ago painted a picture that informs my understanding of who Jesus is. No. That's not really what we're called to do. And yes, you can have spiritual experiences apart from who Jesus is. Because the devil is real and so is demons. They can do weird things. But that's not really what we want if we're believers. The question I think we have to answer is, and I think that's what Paul was saying to the Colossians, are you satisfied that Jesus is all wisdom and knowledge? Or are you going to be attempted to be lured away by what maybe the person at the grocery store says or the person at the school or the person at the game or the person uh, somewhere? Is there some of that that could lure you away? Sometimes people try to mix this up, and I've had some (laughs) conversations lately so they will be like, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I also believe in reincarnation and Buddhism and, all, and basically all the religions are the same, so it doesn't really matter. So for my limited encounters over the last few, three, four weeks, it, it's my experience that when people say, <laughs> when those people say the Bible says, they have no idea what the Bible says. Uh, and often it ends up being, well, and somebody actually said this, the Bible says that the truth is fine found inside of you so we all find our own truth and I just said to the person that is nowhere in the Bible and the person would say well I'll find it I'll tell you okay great I would like to see it but it's not there and it's actually happened a few times and the same people I've had conversations with will also say well all religions are the same and if you know me uh, you've heard me many times saying this is just I wrote some things I'm not going to say but it's just not true it doesn't it hasn't all religions are by no means even near to being the same and when people say that they don't know any of the religions most of the the four, the big four or what do you call them they're all exclusive they all they all claim they all claim exclusivity, so no, they can't be the same. And other religions are, are, are bound up in you, you making yourself good enough for God. Where we see in Christ, God being the one who comes after us, because we can't do it. That wasn't the point, this, but, 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 yeah. But that's never been the message of Christ. Because the message here, and it has always been, and what Jesus said himself, is that truth, knowledge is found in him. And he says, like in John 14, Thomas is, 
confused. He doesn't know where Jesus is going. And, and Jesus says, um, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you have known me, you would have known the Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Then they ask to see the Father. But what Jesus is saying here is he's claiming exclusivity, that no one can come to God without coming through Jesus. So when people are saying, well, I believe all these other things than Jesus, well, Jesus would say, you shouldn't. You should believe in me and not all other things. I never said you found <laughs> Jesus never said... Jesus never said, yeah, if you just try hard enough, you'll find the answer inside of you. No, he came and showed you the answer on the cross. And when he rose again, he confirmed it. So Paul keeps confirming that all wisdom and knowledge is found in Jesus. And so you might be saying, there, like, okay, Christian, I'm never allured away by that. I'm not that, I'm not that intelligent. Of course, I only focus on Jesus. Well, praise the Lord. Then you don't have to be worried. But um, I'm supposed to, also like Paul, just raise the flag and say, hey, maybe, maybe there are sometimes you will be drawn away. But if you don't, great, amen, praise the Lord. So Paul just wants us all to be aware. Don't seek wisdom and knowledge in other places than Jesus because it always leads us astray from God. It doesn't lead us to life. It's just like with all sin. It might claim something, but leave us empty. And then uh, Paul is countering, he's using the word mystery. There's only one mystery, but that mystery was revealed in who Jesus Christ was. That all will see that it wasn't hidden. Yes, it was hidden before he died, but when he rose, as Paul, he quoted in Acts 26, uh, 16, in front of a child, he says, this was not done in a corner, and I know you know about this. So the resurrection of Jesus and Jesus' life, death, and resurrection was not done in this corner, and then people had to find out by one person. No, as after Jesus' death and his resurrection, it is spreading to everybody who wants to know. It's not about like keeping it secret for a few. That's always the weirdness of those wisdom things. Is it, oh, it's only for the few. No, the gospel of Jesus Christ is for everyone who wants to believe. There's no hidden thing. And the, the, it's been just really interesting that how Paul is warning so much in this letter. Um, he's pleading, he's rebuking the believers. But we read in, uh, but we read there in the um, in verse five um, that even even as Paul is not around them, he's saying that, like I'm with you in spirit. He says that to the church in Corinth also when it talks about discipline. But here it's not discipline, it's rejoicing. And so, um, I don't, yeah, you can take the blue one. Yeah. So there in five, he, he says, uh, my spirit, uh, let me just read it. For though I'm absent in the body, yet I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and firmness of your faith. Like, if we just read this first, why have we been, why has Paul been warning them so much? 
because uh, he rejoices. Whoa, I'm going to fall. He rejoices with them because they're doing well. He's rejoicing and seeing the firmness and the good order of their faith in Christ, uh, which refers to good order and things is that, yeah, they're firm in their faith. They have good order. It's not out of order as we hear in some of the other churches. The, the, I then find it very time, very interesting that he keeps warning them. Paul, why are you warning these people? If they have, they're firm in their faith, they're doing really well, they're not divided, they're united, then why are you warning them so much? Um... But I think that's a good indication of what I need to do when I have a sermon. That even though you're doing really well, often we need to be warned to not be led away. Be, to, be made, to be made aware that we might go astray. Not because we don't know Jesus, but because we might be lured away by someone or something. Because in this world, everyone has a gospel they preach. And they live out something. So some people are very evangelistic in the way that they, they live their lives. And so you will hear many gospels every day from your employer, from, from people in the street, from people on the bus, from people, uh, people you meet on different platforms. And you might say, what? What are you talking about? Like people don't preach gospels to me. Well, I, I, I really believe that they are because the way we live our lives is the way we express what we believe. And so, so people just live out what they believe to be true. Sometimes they live something out, other out than they say, <laughs> but that's different. Uh, this passage from Romans 1, and maybe you can turn there if you want, uh, has kept coming up. And I, I just think it's... Uh, it's very interesting to see why some people evangelize uh, other people. Um, so you might, you, some of them are uh, like uh, easy. Like you hear something like this is the best brand. Like you have to wear this or you have to drink this or you have to eat this or this sport is the very best. This food is the very best. You have to parent this way. Uh, this form of sexuality is the best. It will change your life. This guy will change your life. If you just have this house, then everything will be good. Or even this shaving cream. Or you don't, we have to save the planet. Don't eat, eat, don't eat meat and all your problems will okay. Or don't eat, ma- or don't eat fat or don't eat milk or don't eat carbs or don't eat whatever. Then everything will be great. Or there's something I've seen in some people. There's a, subtle form of negativity and complaints about everything. And it's like they're fighting this invisible enemy all the time. It's the they fighting, but there is really nobody. It's like being smarter, but smarter than who? It's like beating the system, but what system? So it's an undefined enemy. uh, Or like, come get drunk with us. Some of you are a little bit older, but then that some people would hear that. Come do drugs with us. Come do whatever with us. This is the only way to happiness. This is the only way you can 
<laughs> now we're getting to these. You have to reach your full potential. You have to be the best version of yourself. I'm so tired of that. Bad news. Because the news is so weak. A better version of yourself. The best, most potential. You got to be kidding me. Yes, a striving, a striving, a striving, a striving. The best version of yourself compared to a new creation. Saved, redeemed, adopted. In full joy and praise in the presence of our Creator. With Jesus forever exploring his wisdom and knowledge forever. I think all the news that are here today is so weak, so dissatisfying, and leaves, leaves people in wanting and in chaos. But then why do people evangelize? Well, if we're made to worship, everyone has to worship something, even if they don't believe in God. Then they only create a new God. Or because they have rejected God, God gives them over. So if you read Romans 1, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Um, but the last part, I think, shows us why people continue to evangelize us. Though they knew God's righteous decree, and though those who practice such things deserve to die, they may not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. So when people create a system where God is not God, but wherever they do is the point, they will always try to include more. So if I, I guess, classic is like, if I go get drunk, I want more people to go get drunk with because then it's normal. And you can just put whatever that is then. If that's sex outside of marriage, if it's cheating on your taxes, if it's gossiping, if it's, oh, there's this new truth, then people would, would, they would include people and capture people or try to capture people with their news. But it's all because of rejection of who God is. Then we have to make, people have to make another God then And this all happens because we don't want, or people don't want to believe or follow God. <clears throat> all that to say that Paul and me today are saying, let's not be deceived, but instead encourage one another to seek Jesus first. I know it's, I say it every week, but I also say it to myself every week. Because I do think there's a, a real danger that we get deceived in some areas of our lives and stop believing things that are not true. And just being aware that there's a real danger that we can fall away and get tricked. And maybe it's not even that. Maybe it's even, I'm just, maybe for me it's getting so frustrated that I don't respond the right way. Maybe because people say things that are stupid, I don't respond the right way. I was like, oh, you're an idiot. 
which maybe I have said a few times, not just in my head, but uh, how do we react when people have false news? They try to, to try to include us in. Do we then, with gentleness and love and courage, share the good news with them? And then I, I just, I, I, my heart and my, also for speaking today is that just like Paul, like, hey, we rejoice. We rejoice in the stories that you're telling. Rejoice that you're standing on the rock of Jesus, that you're standing firm and you're sharing. That, 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 uh, that we can point to that we are growing. We're growing in unity. We're growing in love for one another and for other people. Because the power of Jesus is so much stronger than all the world. Because Jesus owns all things. We just need to be aware that we can be lured away. And we have to continue to encourage one another to go to Jesus and be encouraged. We can also find forgiveness when we fall when we have been led astray, when we have believed wrong things, we can, be, we can help one another back to Jesus and seek his forgiveness and grace. And then again, if you have no, if you, I've never struggled with this, well, praise the Lord. That's just great. Then continue to walk in that way and continue to help one another. And then I think maybe the hard truth is also here for me and all of us is somehow we have to reach that point that Paul is praying for them that we will reach full assurance of the love of Christ that we will love Jesus so much more than those good news would never even slightly feel like they're good that it will be exposed as, a, as not good news and that we will trust in Jesus for his wisdom and his knowledge and that we will do that together as we rejoice in the praise of the glory of the Father as the Holy Spirit guides us day by day in living this out as he reminds us of the truth in Christ and that we'll do that all to the praise of the glory of God. Amen. So God, we, we thank you for this word. We thank you for this truth. That Jesus, you and you are all wisdom and knowledge. So I pray for us that these things, that we will grow, that you would help us to grow in the full assurance and steadfastness that we are in being knit together with you and one another. That the really, truly good news is Jesus, that's you. That you hold all things together to the praise of your glory of your Father. And Lord, you are inviting us by your Holy Spirit to live the life out that you have for us, trusting who you are. That's so, why, Lord, I pray against the enemy and his schemes and his effect. I pray we won't believe in lies. I pray when we do, we'll be good to help one another, to expose that, to come back to you and believe rightly. Lord, we ask that you would fill our hearts and minds and understand your love is so great for us that 
that good news is so great that the other forms of news are just not even remotely attractive. And Lord, I pray you give us strength and courage and joy, great joy, to live these things out. We ask for your help and your grace and your mercy to do this. Help us as a body of believers to encourage one another with the truth of your word. And we thank you. We thank you. We can praise you. We thank you for all the things that you are doing and have done. I I pray that you would help us all enjoy you even more, Jesus. To the glory of the Father, in Jesus' name, amen.